Howdy, y'all. I'm Justin. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, the podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and her music. Yeehaw. Hello, and welcome back to Cowboys Like Us, the merriest little podcast on the internet where all you ho-ho-hos can get naughty. Air horn sound. Today, we are doing our very first Christmas special, where we're going to talk about Taylor's Christmas catalog to date, minus Tis the Damn Season, which we talked about last week. And this is going to be a little bit of a hybrid episode, just a programming note for the people out there. We aren't putting out a regular episode this week, since Monday is Christmas, our normal drop day, so... We're going to be doing news and charts here in the special. It's basically going to be a regular episode. We're just going to talk about more than one song within this episode. Pretty much. But first, got some poll results for y'all. State of Grace, the people voted, and you gave it an eight. That's fine. I feel like it's a little bit higher than I expected of the, uh, the general populace. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people forget about State of Grace. Yeah, I think I gave it a seven, so I was close, but not quite there. Yeah. Not mad about it. As you can hear, Madeline is here. <laughs> I'm here. And Kim's back. And Kim's back. back from her hiatus. I am back. I'm sick again, so. Yeah, um, she, <laughs> she actually wasn't sick last week, but she is sick again this week. You know, it's just the end of this year has been. A brick wall to the face every time I turn around. So, so that it do. Yep. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> to me, that's for sure. Do we have any other pod business to get into before we throw to our first segment? I don't think so. We haven't had, we've been making slow gains in our followers on all the different social memes, but we haven't had any uh, major jumps or any particularly interesting interactions this week. The same is true of our Spotify, where, you know, the numbers keep trending up. We pick up more listens every week. But it's been a minute since we had a big spike. Hoping we'll get another one in the new year at some point. Yeah. And it's Christmas time. People are um, getting off for the holidays. People are having some time off work in different areas. And people are out of school. So people have time to listen to those podcasts. There it is. All right, let's 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 just get into our first uh, little segment here, which I call "Other Music That We Like This Year." It is not a very creative title because it is, in fact, exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about some non-Taylor music that came out this year that we enjoyed because I think, like we talked about on the first episode, and we do it whenever new guests come in, it's important to know our tastes more broadly so that you can calibrate your taste versus our opinions on Taylor's music. So without further ado, here are some albums that I liked. A couple by some old favorites of mine came out this year. Fall Out Boy and Paramore put out new records. Uh, Fall Out Boy so much for Stardust and Paramore's This Is Why. Both of which, you know, they're still making bangers. So if you've been sleeping <laughs> yeah. on them for a few years, you need to you need to wake up. It's time. You guys got to see Fall Out Boy live this year with baby Georgie in utero. Yep. In Atlanta. And they'll be in Birmingham in March, but I'll be parenting mostly. So. See, Justin and Pod get uh, listeners, what you guys don't know is that secretly I've been speaking into existence, but Justin will take me to that Fallout Boy show in March. We just haven't gotten there yet. You do not know how many times Madeline looks at me, or has looked at me, since they have announced that they're coming in, in, in Germany. We've mentioned Germany three episodes in a row. This is bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I have no idea what I was thinking. But anyway, 
Um, every time I turn around, Madeline is like, oh yeah, that fallout boy that your husband hasn't invited me to yet. And I'm like, you have to tell him that you want to go. <laughs> I also want to go, but I feel like I don't know what it's going to be like. I just feel like, I feel like it's going to be a call that we make closer to time. And we're going to get to go see Fallout Boy. And Kim's going to be at the house. <laughs> well, we'll, see. Okay. we'll see. I've seen Fallout Boy twice. I'll be okay if I don't see him this time. Yeah. Jimmy Eat World will be there, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Middle. Everybody knows that song. The Middle. Oh, my God. Got, if they oh, played they, coffee they, and cigarettes, I would die. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Jimmy Eat World's going to be there. You think they're going to play The Middle? <laughs> <laughs> Some other albums I enjoyed. The Rise and Fall of a Midwest Princess by Chapel Roan. Great pop record out of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, it is a lot. Yep. So if you want to get some pride jams going, there you go. Uh, SOS by SZA, her second album. It took a long time to come out because of label shenanigans. It's very long. But it's it's got some bangers on it. I still think her first album, Control, is better. But if you like R&B, this has got some good ones for you. Mommy by Be Your Own Pet. Uh, they are a punk band from Nashville that was active in the mid-aughts. And this is their comeback record. They reunited <laughs> a new record. And it bangs. 10,000 Gex by 100 Gex. <laughs> is a uh, hyper-pop record. Good shit. Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token. They are a, ostensibly a metal band, but they delve into R&B and pop, and they live with a lot of different types of sound. So they're just a cool band to listen to. Uh, Scaring the Hoes by JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown. It's a uh, experimental hip-hop record. Scaring the Hoes. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Danny, Bur- Danny Brown is. He's awesome. He writes some good shit. Yeah. yeah. And JPEG is a uh, a good producer. He's really doing some inventive things. Basically making hyper-pop rap records. That's what this this record is. I That's cool. It. I haven't listened to that yet. Yeah, you gotta check it out. And finally, I Love You by Teen Jesus and the Jane Teasers. Again, <laughs> from Australia. Making, you know, pop-punk, indie-pop uh, bangers. Yeah, Justin just introduced me to them like last week. So I just introduced myself to them. I was gonna say I'm not as familiar with all their stuff. I've only listened through it like one time. But um I I do really like their band name. <laughs> I was that band name is beautiful and balanced. It's good. It rolls off the tongue. That's amazing. Rolls off the tongue just enough for me to constantly get it tongue tied. I bet you do. <laughs> Madeline, what is some stuff you liked? Well, my year has definitely been bookended by Stick Season by Noah Khan. I listen, started listening to it in January. Listened to it almost exclusively. No, I listened to it a shit ton. Uh, January and February, and then it just kind of sprinkled throughout my year. But it got cold again, and uh, November and December, I've been listening to it again. So what a good album beginning and end of the year and here at the end of the year we have some um collabs with some incredible artists so that's cool my favorite new listen of the year is uh briston maroney his single freaking out on the interstate was my most played song on spotify kim brought lake street drive into my life this year they are awesome love that big band sound love uh live wind instruments love that brass mm-hmm. enter shikari released another album they released a kiss for the whole world certified banger they are a English, they're hard to pin down. They're English, heavy, kind of a hardcore sound. They throw some rap in there. They throw some spoken word poetry in there. They're fun. They have a line in their song that goes, you're such a fucking goldfish. And it gets Kim every single time. <laughs> it is. Anyway, Kiss for the Whole World, certified banger of an album, go listen to it. Friend of the Pod, Certainly So, released Alabama Blues and Tired for a Living, and they're in the studio uh, about to release a new album. They're going to be playing at Shaky Knees Festival in Atlanta next year on the same day as the Foo Fighters. I'm so proud of them. (laughs) 
uh, me and Payne are going to get to go, but you guys are going to be pretty freshly babied as well. So I have to tell you how it is from there. Last, but certainly not least, Hot Dads, the Jonas Brothers, released and toured the album. It's absolute gold. It also has a big band sound to it, giving a, a lot of 70s and late 60s vibes. And Kim and I got to go to that tour. It was fantastic. Also with Baby Georgie. He is a, uh, a seasoned concert goer. Yeah, he's going to be a well-rounded individual when he comes out, at least musically. What have you been listening to this year, Kim? (laughs) A lot of the same things that Madeline listens to because we share a lot of music. So it's been a lot of time at the beginning of the year with Noah Kahn's Stick Season and Lizzie McAlpine, which is why she ended up being my number one song for the year in my rap. I did also listen to Niall Horan's The Show and Jonas Brothers' The Album. We love a very to-the-point album title. <laughs> yeah, those, those definitely match. Yeah, yeah. and um, a couple of our other artists, I didn't really listen to complete albums necessarily, but kind of jumped around their discography, would be uh, Mount Joy and The Rex and Wild Rivers. It was a very folky year for me overall, but also <laughs> not not me bringing it to you, Madeline, on the on the podcast. But <laughs> the band's name is Lake Street Dive, no R. And I put drive on there. <laughs> every time you say it, you say drive. <laughs> and every time I, I think I I probably autocorrected to it one time, and then my brain was like, "All right, this is correct now." Yeah, I noticed that that was happening like early on, and I every time we would talk about it, you would say drive, and I would say dive, and I was like, "Sir, she has to hear me." <laughs> not hearing, not paying attention, not That's even a little so bit. <laughs> My favorite way to text their name is LSD, though. Yeah, yeah, that's the easiest way. That that is my preferred way to identify that band. But no one on the pod, none of the podcast listeners would know who we were talking about. So I would no, rather be incorrect not. and say Lake Street Drive. <laughs> I would be surprised <laughs> if anybody who listens to this podcast has even heard of them. But um, well, you guys should go listen to them because they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. Yes, I am a particular fan of Hypotheticals. Their song. I heard it playing in the grocery store a few weeks back and <laughs> lost my shit. <laughs> Do you like trumpets? Do you like saxophones? Listen to them. Yeah. All the things that Justin does not like. And so when I played them for him, he was like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's some other music we like. If you'd like to get in on this conversation, you can tell us some other things you like on our social media. That would be fun. We could talk about all the things we found. Yeah. yeah? So get in there and do it. Tell me what you listen to. That's right. <laughs> Madeline is desperate to know. I want to know. Let's go ahead and go to news. Uh... News from around the Taylorverse. Dictionary.com has crowned the word era as 2023's vibe of the year. Vibe is one of the site's top lookups of the year, said Gret Barrett head of lexiconography and dictionary.com. Like vibe, the word era has been undergoing a similarly slangy evolution, referring to our moods, aesthetics, and life stages. He added, our choices also, of course, inspired by the year's most high-profile record-setting, impossible-to-ignore cultural phenomenon. Swift's use of the word on the grandest of stages has helped to solidify it as a way of taking control of one's own story. First off, Dictionary.com having a vibe of the year. <laughs> you can't call okay. yourself head of lexicography and then creating a word called vibe of the year. You can have one my, or the other, bro. My favorite thing is how smoothly Justin says that. His librarian ass is showing. No, the vibe of the year, I think, I'm under the impression, that it's a play on their word of the year, but their word of the year couldn't be vibe. So they made an era. Now right. it's the vibe of the year. And they, they shoehorned two word of the year into two. Yep. Maybe just to play off of Taylor Swift and get Pretty them clicked. Pretty sneaky. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Language it's, is fun. Constantly yeah. evolving. That's true. Don't be prescriptivist. I have used both the word vibe and era excessively this year. So I agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
Another fun new word that's been invented, Tavis. We have an update on <laughs> The Hollywood Reporter has released its annual yearbook. They have crowned Taylor and Travis as prom queen and king, respectively. Most talked about entertainer of the year and the Super Bowl winning podcaster combine their forces and audiences to forge the kind of four quadrant cultural phenomenon the industry hasn't seen in ages. I like the description of Travis as yeah. Super Bowl winning <laughs> podcaster. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what a weird word to tack on the end of Super Bowl winning. It seems like he won the Super Bowl contest. Right, yeah. Not a player in the Super Bowl, but that's... Okay, but it, it does... It, it uh, separates him from the crowd. How many... There's tons of Super Bowl winners, but how many of them are also famous podcasters? Sure. At least two. At least two. At least two. two. Exactly <laughs> two. <laughs> Yeah, they're de- prom queen, prom queen, and king fit them. I mean, come on, they're all American. We've been talking about it all year. Indeed, congratulations to them. In other Tavis news, Taylor attended the Chiefs versus Patriots game in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Taylor was in a box with Brittany Mahomes, Alana Heim, Ashley Avignon, and Taylor's dad, Scotty. Scotty Swifts. <laughs> yep. The box had cookies that said "Dad's Brads and Chads." on them just a little fun treat hilarious uh-huh they, they also had a uh, a birthday cake for taylor that scott was carrying around and it kind of looked like a pineapple cake i really couldn't tell in the, the side video that i saw but he's like walking around the box sharing it with people and taylor looks over and like what the fuck are you doing dad <laughs> yeah he went into the box next to them and there's like a clear panel between the two and he was like you know do you want some cake you know whatever and he goes <laughs> over to taylor and is like it's his her birthday cake and she's just looking like dad what the hell <laughs> <laughs> giving teenager in the moment <laughs> yes it was at one point in the game travis collided with a patriots defender in the end zone and flung himself backward in a very bad <laughs> way which caused taylor to stand up in the box and scream, what the fuck? <laughs> no, it should have been a pass interference. I agree. <laughs> she wanted the PI call. The referee did not bite. He didn't think it was. I don't think so either. It's bullshit. <laughs> Travis outweighed that man who he got flung by, allegedly, uh, by about 100 pounds. So I'm not buying it. <laughs> I got between him and the ball and pushed Travis to the ground. Has interference. <laughs> Let the listener decide. Go back and watch the replay. Yeah, but the Chiefs won the game. At one point, Taylor celebrated by lifting Brittany up in the air. And Big yeah. boyfriend energy. <laughs> yep. Rumors have been swirling from our favorite, the anonymous sources out there, that Travis has a ring and has already asked for Scott's blessing to propose to Taylor. I will repeat what I said last week that I think that to quote Taylor, they're not psychopaths. This is too soon. Yeah. I doubt it's happening. We'll see. I tend to agree, but we'll see. There's a a new ring on Taylor's hand right now. And people were losing their minds over it and speculating over it. She debuted this new ring on her birthday post. It's a giant opal surrounded by what looked like sapphires or maybe blue topaz. The internet hadn't really decided yet. And everybody said it was probably from Travis. And people were talking about all of the romantic symbolism and the different stones and how it could be a secret proposal. And then Kelly Teller revealed that she gifted Taylor the personally designed ring. And uh, (laughs) Dumois has doubled down and says it's not the same ring because, of course, they have. Yep, that's what they do. Dumois can just fuck off, man. Didn't, I mean, Tree has already told them to fuck off. We think that we, you would think they'd be in their place by now. Yes, Tree told them to fuck off. Kaylee basically told them to fuck off in a more polite way. Yeah. And they just won't do it. Yeah. They are on their bullshit and they will not get off. Because despite what Dumas said, Dumas does, in fact, make money from lying. <laughs> and the thing about it is, like, that's not a wedding ring based on any wedding ring I've ever seen. Not that it has to be, 
you know, you can get experimental and fun with your rings. Yeah, anything, anything can be wedding But, but, she was wearing it on the pointer finger of her right hand, yeah. which is not where the wedding ring goes. But it's a secret, obviously. <laughs> yeah, uh. I, that was such a stretch. The whole ring thing is kind of ridiculous. It's a pretty ring, but she has been wearing enormous rings all year, which means enormous rings are probably going to be there next year. And it takes up her entire hand. Yep. Yeah. I just don't think that Travis, I think he's a romantic guy. I don't think he's <laughs> so in touch with his sensitive side to know what her birthstone and what his birthstone are and to get her a ring of those two things. That seems a little too deep for him. It makes a lot more <laughs> sense that Kelly Teller did it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt he even knows his own birthstone, let alone Taylor's. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, there's not been any word on whether Travis was able to throw Taylor any sort of birthday celebration due to him being in KC and her being in New York. But maybe they did something private. We don't know. Maybe he throws her a New Year's party. Maybe they do a Christmas thing. We'll see. We'll see. On this week's episode of New Heights, we're commenting on Taylor being... Shown on the Jumbotron, Travis said, quote, there might have been a few Brads and Chaz that were booing, but for the most part, everyone was, was fucking screaming their tail off for her. I also appreciate that every time they talk about her, and specifically her dad, on the podcast, Jason always refers to him as Scott, and he's like, like on this episode, he was like, we saw that Scott was there, but Travis always comes back and calls him Mr. Swift. He will not refer to him as Scott, he calls him Mr. Swift. That is very polite. What a polite young man. <laughs> He's like, I cannot fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Patrick Mahomes had some nice things to say. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Saying that, you know, he's a big supporter of their relationship and that Taylor's basically just, you know, part of the team now. He's excited that Travis has a great woman. Yep. He called her a girl at first. But then he corrected himself and we, we appreciate him for that. That's right. We do. The woke king we stand. He also said that he appreciate she appreciated how she uh, she and Brittany immediately click clicked. Yep, they do seem to get along. Taylor got a new purse this week, as well as her ring. <laughs> oh. And this one was a, a gift. ring and a purse. Yeah, this one was a gift from the Hunt family, owners of the Kansas City Chiefs. It is a clutch that looks like a microphone. They come in silver, gold, and black. Not sure what Taylor got. It was not specified in the post. But if you would like to purchase one for yourself so you can match Taylor, they're available for the low, 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 low price of just $4,995. Oh, God. BRB? Nope. <laughs> Get your orders in now. Jack Antonoff was interviewed by Vulture this week and is jam-packed with great behind-the-scenes details of his and Taylor's songwriting process. I'm sure we'll quote the specifics when we get to those specific songs. But here's some notable highlights. Madeline, do you want to do this? You read you read this. Yeah, I do. I do love Jack Antonoff as well. <clears throat> and I loved the interview. I mean, it's jam-packed full of shit. Notable highlights. Jack says that August was the most difficult song to produce. He had a lot of pressure on himself to make it the most perfect story and to swell the ending with emotion. The seagull sound that everybody was stitching and making sounds with in Is It Over Now are, quote, all of these analog instruments that we all know and love. Moog Model D's Juno 6s, which is hilarious because Jack Antonoff is a music producer and not everybody is a music producer. You guys don't know what those are. No idea. I've heard of some of them. <laughs> He's ridiculous. He's just a little nerd. I love him. In lieu of Justin's interest, Jack does mention that he doesn't work with any soft sense. Everything mm. is a sound that he makes in the room. Justin, you said several times on songs that Jack has worked on. That you like that big live drum sound? That's what he's referring to. There it is. He uh he does say that his favorite songs that he has worked on with Taylor include August and Mirrorball. Same. They're up there at least. I don't know if they're the top two, but they're in the combo. I, I expected him to say out of the woods, but August and Mirrorball. Oh, are these his favorites like overall? Yes. Okay. Well, they include those right i i didn't know if he knew. he cannot name them but he says in the article he says my some of my to to answer your question some of my favorites include august mirrorball okay i didn't know if the question was like specifically on folklore what were your favorites 
No, he means overall. And when he talks about the writing process, he says that he always is afraid that they won't get that spark again. But every time he writes with Taylor, they get to this spot, they get into this groove, and he's like, fuck yeah, I guess we still got it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. You know, the Ares Tour movie has been nominated for Best Documentary at the 2024 HCA Awards. Taylor won an HCA last year for the All Too Well short film. HCA stands for Hollywood Creative Alliance. Uh, they are a film critic organization founded in 2016. So Yeah, they're they, new to the game. They're still doing it. They're mm-hmm. still doing it. Speaking of people who are doing it. <laughs> Taylor and Travis. Uh-uh. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Taylor was at work late last night till 2 a.m. Uh, when she was seen leaving Electric Lady Studios in New York. What was she working on? Is it Rep TV? You would assume so, but that may be closer to done than we know. So could it be debut TV? Could it be something new? Could it be something Christmas related? Who's to say? Justin and I had this debate earlier, but I said, there ain't no way we're getting Christmas re-records this year. They would have had to already have come out. Yeah, she's not going to release it on Christmas or on Christmas Eve. She'll release it early. Right. She, it's gonna, if she ever does it, it's going to be released on her birthday. At least, if not like Thanksgiving, because like you, in order for it to gain any sort of traction, it needs way more time. Drop it on Christmas Day, you fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we mentioned that, or as Kim mentioned two episodes and I mentioned last episode, we were expecting something on the solstice. And we didn't get anything except Taylor spending too much time in the studio and not leaving until 2 a.m. My theory, <laughs> I just you know, gave an alternate theory, including the solstice, in case something were happen. <laughs> yeah, she's playing both sides. That way she always comes out on top. <laughs> you, gotta Damn shit. you gotta you gotta have fingers in every conspiracy so you're never wrong. Yeah. <laughs> when she so really plays roulette, she puts money on red and black, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a smart strategy to me. <laughs> she goes you tell yourself out, you horrible, horrible person. Okay. Did we have any other news anyone wanted to mention? No, I think we're good. Cool. Let's go with Shardwatch. Shardwatch. On the Billboard Artist 100, Taylor State put it number one. Wait. On the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, Cruel Summer dropped six spots to number 13. Oh. Is it over now? Dropped six spots to number 36. And You're Losing Me dropped 41 spots to number 68. Everything else is gone. Taylor needs to put something out. The chart is bleeding. Reputation. Reputation. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart, 1989 TV, they put it number two. Midnight fell one spot to number seven. Lover rose two spots to number nine. Folklore dropped a spot to number 10. Speak Now, Taylor's version dropped two spots to number 19. Red TV rose two spots to number 25. Evermore rose six spots to number 32. Called it. Yep, you did. Reputation is down two to 34. Fearless TV is up six to number 52. And 1989, the stolen version down two spots to number 82. Fair enough, fair enough. Taylor and Christmas have a long history together. Taylor released the Taylor Swift Holiday Collection, an EP, all the way back in 2007. It contains two original Taylor Swift songs, Christmas is When You Were Mine, written by Taylor with Liz Rose and Nathan Chapman, and Christmas Must Be Something More, written by Taylor Swift solo. Christmas, this is this. Yep. I don't know. You said Christmas funny. Christmas. Christmas. Christmases when you were mine. That's how she would say it. That really mine. 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 <laughs> also had four covers on it. Last Christmas, Santa Baby, Silent Night, and White Christmas. Four classics that everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Christmas. Highly Tree. coverable. <laughs> yes. Christmas Tree Farm was released as a single, then the lone single in 2019. Some chart info 
holiday collection peaked at number 20 on the top 200 albums chart. Christmas Tree Farm peaked at 59 on the Hot 100. Uh, some certs. Holiday Collection is certified platinum in the United States and gold in Australia. And Christmas Tree Farm certified silver in the United Kingdom. What has Taylor said about her Christmas catalog? About the holiday collection? She ain't said shit. <laughs> she don't want to talk about it, okay? <laughs> about Christmas Tree Farm. She says, quote, I actually did grow up on a Christmas tree farm in a gingerbread house. People within the yummy gummy gumdrop for where funnily enough, this song is their anthem. <laughs> their national anthem. She's ridiculous. She goes on to say, so the idea I had for the song is Christmas tree farm because I grew up on one. You see what I mean? These chords I don't usually use. So bear with me. But it would be like, it's about how like you're in the city and you're stressed out and you're like just really like low. But in your heart is a Christmas tree farm. End quote. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Maybe should have taken a second and just thought before putting that quote out. That quote reminds me of that kid that's like, have you ever had a dream where, <laughs> where you exactly. dream? just like <laughs> keeps going on and on and on and never gets to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So moral of the story is she wrote this song because she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. And that's a good, that's a good prompt. Makes sense. Under the critical reception, the holiday collection was kind of a nothing burger in terms of the critics. They're like, it happened. Yep, it happened. It's a Christmas thing. It's fine. Taylor's voice was criticized because back then she was still coming into her voice and uh, developing it. And the covers were largely forgettable, according to most critics, but harmless. Christmas Tree Farm, we got a little bit more detail on. Variety called it, quote, lushly orchestrated for maximum holiday glee. Elle called it an infectious pop song. According to Elite Daily, it will make anyone feel nostalgic for holidays spent at home with family. The New York Post said the romantic nostalgic single is an appropriate homage for Swift. I'm so um, proud of you for saying that correctly. <laughs> homage. Homage. <laughs> Used to be called homage until your mom got in one. <laughs> American songwriter called it <laughs> American songwriter called it deeply nostalgic, perfect for the holidays. It was ranked number 45 on Cosmopolitan's top 75 Christmas songs. Of all time. Of all time. Wow. Yeah. Let's get into the fan reception. The fans like it. We don't have Reddit this time because there was no survivor for it. But Big Boy Rob has some thoughts. Big Boy Rob. Rob ranked Taylor's cover of Santa Baby 242 out of 243. The only song he thinks is worse is Bad Blood, which is wild. That is not a bad song. I Yeah, I'm b- confused by that. What um, beef does Rob have with that song? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, about the Santa Baby cover, he said, quote, an oldie about a gold digger wooing Little St. Nick was perhaps <laughs> a dubious pick for a singer, singer still in her teens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christmas Must Be Something More was rated number 240 out of 243. Also pretty bad. And it said, quote, unlike most boys Swift sings about, Jesus didn't comment publicly. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't had to do them like that, Rob. You ain't had to do it like that. Rob has some good hot takes on occasion. Yep. Her Silent Night cover was ranked 237. And he said, this bizarre version manages to miss almost every single note in the melody. They, were, they sure were in a rush to get this Christmas album out. Do you know he's not, God, he's not wrong. That song sounds <laughs> no, so off. It's really weird. White Christmas ranked number 222. And he said that it was a straight down the middle country rendition. Yeah, but I got a higher bump. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is when you were mine got a ranking of 193 so a kind of big bump from the last one 
Um, he said, Taylor writes her own ace love lorn holiday standard, ambushing her ex with one of those squirm packed Merry Christmas phone calls. Christmas Tree Farm was ranked number 183, and it was called An Impeccably Cozy Carol. And her cover of Last Christmas was ranked 170, the highest out of all of these. And he said, Tay does the Wham Legacy proud. The ache and quaver of her voice fit the George Michael melancholy. This might be the saddest Last Christmas since the original. Disagree, but okay. Yeah, I, I disagree with him, too. I, I would rank Christmas Tree Farm above her cover of Last Christmas, at least back then. She could improve now. All right. Let's get into the lyrics a bit. Christmas is when you were mine. It's about how the holidays are sad now that Taylor and her ex aren't together. Very sad. Not much else to say about it. Kimberly had a strong reaction to it the other day. Earlier today. In fact. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know... That's what happens when you try to listen to Christmas music while you're emo. So, <laughs> you know, probably not the best. It's time. a sad song. It is. Deliberately so. Christmas must be something more is Taylor's Jesus is the reason for the season anthem. The commercialization of Christmas is out of control. And Taylor isn't going to take it anymore, which is ironic. Since our family owned a Christmas tree farm. Presumably they didn't give the trees away for free. They sold <laughs> And speaking of Christmas tree farms, that's the song I want to get a little bit deeper on. So let's get to that. Intro, my winter nights are taken up by static, stress, and holiday shopping traffic. But I close my eyes and I'm somewhere else just like magic. Taylor disassociates to get away from her anxiety. She's just like me for real. <laughs> For real. For real. Also, this intro just does a good job of getting you, letting you know that you're in for three minutes of corny holiday bullshit. Really sets the mood. Exactly how I like it. There it is. Verse number one. In my heart is a Christmas tree farm where the people would come. They do what now? Dance under sparkling lights, bundle up in their mittens and coats, and the cider would flow. I just want to be there tonight. So we see an idealized version of Taylor's childhood growing up on the Christmas tree farm. Very descriptive. What must it be like to actually need to bundle up on Christmas? Because it's cold. <laughs> It'll probably be 60 degrees here. Ew. Gross. Yeah. Where I'm from, it gets about 75 on Christmas Day. It's, yeah. And the swamp ass, you've never known <laughs> like it here. <laughs> Oh, so bad. Cider, just as a beverage, is ass. I'm tired of pretending it isn't. You take that. You're back. incorrect. Cider is ass. Take it back right you, now. You're yeah. incorrect. Back. It's one. You're of the wrong. Cider is the most delicious beverage. This side of hot chocolate. I yeah, it is. For not it saying is. coffee, so it you is. You can have it spiced. Winter beverage. Hot chocolate. You can have it mold. Cider comes in so many forms. You can use any kind of juice. Get fancy, use like a cranberry. If I want a fruit, I'll just an eat. orange slice. I don't need it fucking cider. <laughs> against nutmeg and allspice and clove and garlic and, and cinnamon. Cinnamon, I'm in cinnamon. A cinnamon. Hey, ooh, <laughs> don't, don't put garlic. garlic in your cider, people. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> cider is to Christmas what turkey is to Thanksgiving. We have to pretend it's good Christ. once a year. Incorrect. Anyway, moving on. Yep. Pretty chorus. Sweet dreams of holly and ribbon. Mistakes are forgiven and everything's icy and blue. And you would be there too. Here's where we finally get to something approaching plot. And I do say approaching because we never do get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> mistakes are forgiven. What the hell does that mean? This what does that mean? <laughs> in this context specifically, what does Taylor have... Does she have something specific in mind? Is the guy she's imagining being there the one who's forgiving her mistakes? Is she forgiving his mistakes? I need more info, Taylor. And it's not Christmas that causes the forgiveness. It's her magical Christmas tree farm that lives in her heart. So, I don't know. I don't understand it. Why not in her idealized fantasy world do mistakes just not happen? And then you don't have to forgive them. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But she wants an idealized future, something that hasn't happened. You know what I think it is? What I think it's that ribbon rhymes with forgiven. (laughs) And that's why she chose the lyric. (laughs) Now we're thinking. Hot take. (laughs) You're not wrong. Let's get to the chorus. Under the mistletoe, watching the fire glow. And telling me I love you, just being in your arms takes me back to that little farm where every wish comes true. Maybe the real Christmas tree farm <laughs> is the people we bone along the way. It's the yeah. people we bone within the trees. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this this seemingly adult lover take her back to her childhood yard? What is wrong? <laughs> we know Taylor has a weird thing about that, where like. On some level, stuck in adolescence, she uses that as a metaphor yeah. a lot. I guess it's probably because she got famous so young, so she never oh, really... Oh, probably. Yeah, childhood was that safe space. Moment like that. Yeah. But yeah, since this is based on Taylor's real real life, her real past, did her family's farm have a genie living on the property? Is that how Taylor got so famous? Every wish comes <laughs> true because there is a genie who grants wishes. The Christmas tree genie. That's right. It's a it's a fairy. His name is Douglas. His name is Douglas. <laughs> That's a- <laughs> In case you don't get it, yeah, it's Douglas Fir. Douglas Fir. Verse two. In my heart is a Christmas tree farm. There's a light in the barn. We run inside, out from the cold. In the town, kids are dreaming of sleighs, and they're warm and they're safe. They wait to see a blanket of snow. More nice description. Taylor was assigned a descriptive essay by her middle school teacher, and she's doing very good. (laughs) He's doing great. It's interesting to me that Taylor's imaginary farm has a nearby imaginary town where imaginary children (laughs) She's really doing some world building out here in this verse. (laughs) (laughs) She's Um, painting you a picture, setting the scene. Let me paint you a world, says Taylor. Is the barn heated? If not, I'll pass and just run right by the barn and on into the house. Thank you. I think this verse in particular, combined with, you know, maybe the real Christmas tree farmer, the people we vote along the way. Yeah. This verse is like the Hallmark movie of or Lifetime movie or whatever Christmas movie you want to watch of a verse. Because in my mind, it's like, oh no, we're so cold. Let's go inside the barn and warm each other up, you know. <laughs> and then we'll all be happy and our wishes will come true. Let's exactly. Climb up to the hayloft and try not to think about those kids dreaming about sleighs yeah. while we're cold. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to taste your cider. Ew. <laughs> cider, more like be inside of you know what I mean? You were going. Oh my god. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Got him. <laughs> I, I sure hope no one listens to this with their children around. Yeah. <laughs> no one listens to this podcast. <laughs> just actually <laughs> every episode of this podcast is marked explicit on Spotify by me. Good. Manually. <laughs> it's fine. It should be. Hilarious. Onto the bridge. And when I'm feeling alone, you remind me of home. Oh baby, baby, Merry Christmas. And when the world isn't fair, I pretend that we're there. Baby, baby, Merry Christmas to you. So I do relate to your partner making you feel home and safe. That's how I feel. Girlfriend. <laughs> when I'm with no. But I do like the thought of Taylor and Travis at the coffee shop. Taylor orders an everything bagel. They only have a plain bagel left. Taylor then zones out for three minutes, staring off into the void, humming this song softly to herself. Travis apologizes to the barista and shepherds Taylor awkwardly away. Because she's singing. <laughs> That they're there. <laughs> Every time she's hit with an inconvenience, she just. <laughs> is That's right. So yeah. Travis is like, damn it, not again. Not again. <laughs> it's a fifth time today. 
Can we just make it down the street without you doing this? Ew. <laughs> I don't know. It's a silly song. It's a silly song. It gives me silly thoughts. That's what it does. But speaking of thoughts, let's move on to our overall thoughts on Taylor's Christmas Eve. Kimberly, do you want to go first? Sure. Sure, why not? Just do it. Let's just get her done. In reference to the four covers that we got last Christmas, I've heard worse covers. It's very middle of the road for me as far as like last Christmas covers go. So, you know, it's not going to be a go-to just because it's Taylor for me. Silent Night is far too twangy country, her version, for my taste. It's, it's a no. It's an absolute no for me, dog. Santa Baby, I don't like any versions of this song. The lyrics are disgusting. White Christmas, Taylor's version, <laughs> unlike Silent Night, this one kind of works with the country feel to me that she puts on it. Yeah. Uh, especially because us country folk uh, are always dreaming of White Christmas and never get them. So... There it is. So as far as her original songs go, Christmas is When You Were Mine, I think is a solid song. I love an original Christmas song that holds up. Like we mentioned earlier, this one handed me my ass uh, when I listened through it earlier today. But uh, like I said, that's all I'm trying to listen to Christmas music when your brain is not ready for that. Uh, Christmas must be something more. I... I've always wanted to love this song because it's so genuine to baby Taylor and debut Taylor. And it's not half bad, but the chorus constantly makes me laugh. And the overall song is hard to take seriously. And as far as Christmas Tree Farm goes, I love that song. It's a fucking bop. Christmases When You Were Mine walked so that this song could soar in the sky with the birds. For um, sure. It's everything I want in a Christmas song. Jingle bells, scene setting, booty bouncing beat. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Madeline? Yeah, when it comes to the covers, I'm not a big Christmas song cover fan. I I do not love any of them, honestly. And I agree with Rob and Kim that Silent Night's trash. It's not not good. I think that if she did Christmas covers now, I would listen to it because how much her voice has improved and how much she has improved. And I might like those, but I am not a Christmas cover kind of person. I like instrumentals or a lot of originals. I'm not a big fan of the song Santa Baby either. The only one that I kind of like is that one where the lady sounds like Betty Boop singing it. That one's fine. (laughs) That's the original, right? I think that's the original. She sounds like Betty Boop who smoked, like, a ton of cigarettes. Yeah, that one's yeah fine. I think that's the original. Yeah. <laughs> that one is fine. That's the only one. I honestly don't even really like that song. Um, I prefer the much more erotic Santa Claus got stuck in my chimney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which Taylor should absolutely cover. Christmas is when you're mine. It's sad. It's fine. It's, it's OG debut ass-flavored stuff. It's really not my favorite. I didn't like it back then, and I don't particularly love it now. Reason for the season, Jesus Taylor is, I didn't even like it when I was much more involved in the church than I am now. I, I don't particularly like that one either, but Christmas Tree Farm is a banger. I like that one a lot, and I like the remixes of that. I like a lot of the remixes that Taylor puts out, and Justin's going to hate me, but I really like the old-timey version <laughs> of Christmas Tree Farm. I gave him that warning earlier. I said, I saw your note on the old-timey version. I'm just going to let you and know. And that one's like it. Version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's no accounting for taste. I guess it's me now. A quick note on covers up front. Y'all both talked about y'all's opinions on them. I'm not usually a fan of covers, just generally as a thing. The ones I do like offer me something that's either better in some way than the original or different in a way that's interesting to me that I would want to listen to it in addition to or instead of the original, right? Otherwise, I'll just original one. With that said, the last Christmas cover is dog ass. The original <laughs> one is perfect, and I would never listen to the cover over the original. There's no scenario where I would do that. So nothing. It's a nothing song for me. The Santa ba- Baby cover is mostly fine. I do agree that Lyrically, it's weird for a teen to be singing about offering to blow Santa to get a yacht or whatever. But it's up-tempo and folksy and fun, and that kind of helps a little bit. So if I was at a bar in Nashville around Christmas time, 
I wouldn't be mad if it came on, you know? I just be like, yeah. So that's where I'm at with that one. White Christmas? Why Christmas gotta be white? You know what I mean? <laughs> Come down to the South. Yep. Rainbow Christmas, you know? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Silent Night, the worst of all. The worst of all. Save the oh, worst. Oh, yeah, no, that Silent Night's real bad. If, honestly, we were listening to the Holiday Collection EP earlier and like, that song started playing. I didn't know what song it was until like way in. Cause I was like, the hell is this? Yeah. It doesn't sound like Silent Night. Like Rob said, she missed all the notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost avant-garde. Like, I don't know what the hell. What if I just did it wrong and put that out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's gross. No, thank you. Her originals. Christmas is just when you were mine is fine. You know, it's a... Uh, Twangy and it's sad and girl in her guitar singing about how her heart is broken. Heard it before, heard it done better by Taylor and other artists, but it's fine. But not in a Christmas song. Yeah, there's never been a Christmas song about that before. Well, I mean, I mean, you haven't heard Taylor's in a Christmas song. I guess not. And then Christmas must be something more. So this is a song that Taylor had on one of her demo CDs before she even was signed. So it was written when she was like 12, 13. And it sounds like that, you know? It sounds like a very talented 12-year-old wrote a song. And you can see talent there. But it's not... Uh, Something a little naive about it. Yeah, it's not in full bloom yet. There's potential there. But it just doesn't come together. I have said on this podcast, I believe that I am not a religious person. Never really have been, but that's not my problem with it, you know. I think religious Christmas songs can be can be great. I think the original, well, I don't know if it's the original, but I think most versions of Silent Night are perfectly good, worthy songs. Yeah. Not Taylor's, but <laughs> others. And there it's obviously a religious song. But the yeah, it's just not a good song. That's all. The Pentatonics cover of Silent Night is really good. I believe it. I haven't heard it, but I believe it. Way better than I I will listen to Manchester Orchestra's version of Silent Night, but only to be listening to Manchester Orchestra as well as Christmas Eve at the same time. Yeah, I'm also <laughs> I'm seeing Miller's Christmas stuff. Yeah, underrated. It's different, absolutely different than Manchester Orchestra. A different band. And finally, Christmas Tree Farm. <laughs> it's fun. It's dumb, but it's fun. That's really all I, I have. Like <laughs> the old timey version for me is trash. You know, what this song needs is a jazz remake. Said no one ever. No I said it. <laughs> well, you were wrong, you know? <laughs> We've all been wrong before in our lives. Now, it was one time you were. <laughs> I guess Amazing. This, at this point, we are going to open the floor for a special message from junior friend of the pod, Charlie. Hey, guys, I am back again. Glad to be here again. Because we know that it's everyone's favorite time of the year, Swiftmas. Yes, that is what I'm calling it. There's nothing you can do about that. So let's tease the dang season with sounds of the season. Taylor's Christmas EP that was released in 2007. If I had to pick a favorite song from that, it would probably be Christmases When You Were Mine. Good choice. Under, yeah, very good choice. Probably because the way the lyrics are really good. The lyrics are amazing. Phenomenal lyric. The instrumentals, good. Just a be- good example of an original Christmas song. Better than those really bad Michael Buble ones that you either hear in grade school gym class, the radio, or at the grocery store. You never hear them anywhere else. Am I wrong? Or maybe that's because you don't listen to them anywhere else, Charlie. You hear them at your house. You play them at your house. Yeah, because they're bad, and if you like them, <laughs> that's fine. But I'm gonna give you some weird books. And I also that's love fine. Um, Justin is Justin is also a Buble hater. It's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. But Christmas is when you are mine is just a really underrated gem, and you should listen to it right now. Listen to it now, and come back to this episode. Thank me later. My other favorite one is Christmas Tree Farm. A little single that is trending on the internet right now, or at least it was like a week ago. I also love this one just because it's just a happy, wholesome little song about Taylor's dream about going to a Christmas tree farm when she's stressed out. Who wouldn't want to do that? It's also really catchy, 
So there's another one that you will be thanking me later for listening to. And if you're asking, it is better than those Michael Bublé covers. Seriously, those are the only reason why he's famous. <laughs> he's not famous. Okay, now on to another topic. Taylor's amazing, good year that she has had. I mean, she started a tour, made two hundred, made a $250 million box office movie that we saw, got awarded Time Magazine's Person of the Year, released, I think, two Taylor's versions, if I got that right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And started dating everyone's favorite, now favorite football player. Teenage girls are going to swarm once they have the chance to. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Go Chief. Yeah. Yay. But one really bad thing has happened to Taylor that I know of right now. The Brazil shows. Intensity, Taylor having to throw out water bottles, her almost passing out, and getting blamed for someone's death. It's a long story, but it's very it's an unfortunate story and my heart goes out to her family. The Brazil shows haven't been good for Taylor. But other than that, she's had an amazing year and we are all proud of her, aren't we? Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's hope that she has an even better 2024, which is interesting. Okay. Starting 2024 on top. Now time to get out of the woods with a hot take. Oh, boy. <laughs> I told you there would be puns, so. Now please do not send any nukes to my location, but Shake It Off is not that good of a song. Oh, boy. <laughs> Justin? Yep. Should I be scared? <laughs> no. It's funny, Charlie, that you mentioned that because our other guest speaker on this episode christy is uh, also a shake it off hater so you guys are very appropriate <laughs> good it's just not shake it off is not one of my favorites and it's just another generic pop song you'll hear everywhere for like a month then you'll never hear it again yeah i mean i don't know i think it has more longevity than that but it is certainly a generic pop song it's very overrated the instrumental is blah lyrics are mediocre <laughs> And Welcome to New York is better. <laughs> Seems like a weird choice. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's the first song on the album for a reason. True. Yep, that's true. Still a very, very pop song, but that's what 1989 is. Suck it up, you stupid rep stands. Oof. Kim's gonna coming, get you. Coming from one. <laughs> Welcome to New York is an amazing Taylor Swift song, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like I said... Keep the nukes to yourself. <laughs> Keep them to yourself. I hope you all enjoyed this little piece of banter that s- did slip away like a moment in time. There's another one. <laughs> and I hope the end of this segment isn't a death by a thousand cuts. Got him. All right. Got him. Mayor, like Santa Claus well, said. Very good. Sweet. Charlie, I do have a surprise question for you that I didn't prep, prep you for, and I suppose I could have. If you had to rate... Taylor's uh, Christmas EP on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the old EP from 2007? Probably rated around a 6. Okay. Okay. Because, um, like, the last Christmas cover is kind of pitchy. She sounded a little bit pitchy in the album. She was kind of starting herself. Like, her career was kind of starting. So you can't really be blamed for that. It's just not one of my favorite albums, except for Christmases when when you were mine, that will be on the top of every single Christmas playlist from now on. And then if you had to rate Christmas Tree Farm on a scale of 1 to 10. Oh, I'd probably give Christmas Tree Farm like an 8. Okay. Probably just because it's like a catchy little beat and it's very nice. And Madeline, that was that one Taylor Swift song I added to the Christmas playlist. Nice. I think I told you that. But it's just a catchy little fun song about being on a Christmas tree farm when you're stressed out. Yep. Is that? It definitely is that. And it's a well, fun song. A Christmas bop. Dusty, I think that is all you needed for this segment. Do you need anything else? Any other questions? I don't think so. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Just let me say one more thing. Like Santa said, Merry Swiftness to all and to all a good night. Thank you to all of our current friends of the pod. And we will be excited to introduce you to some new friends in 2024. Yeah. The least of which is the pod baby. Yep. Pod baby. He won't be able to say much, but he'll be around. I'm sure he can scream. Oh my god, we're gonna get a sound bite of that pod baby. <laughs> <laughs> pod baby George will be on 
more than I'd like, and it will be a nightmare trying to mix him out. <laughs> Pod baby George's first word is going to be podcast. Maybe his first word is going to be podcast. Yeah. Oh, we might have to take a little trip down to down to Nini's house when recording is happening. Yeah, just kick him to the backyard, Grandma. Yeah. Let's go to ratings so we can get out of here, man. I'm tired already. Kimberly, do you want to go first? Sure. So my rating for the covers as a collective is going to be a three. And honestly, White Christmas is carrying that whole group. (laughs) (laughs) As far as the original songs go, I'm going to give Christmases When You Were Mine. This may be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, mostly because it hits me in the feels today and it may not always hit me in the feels but <clears throat> after the last two weeks I've had it it might it might and then this is supposed to be something more that's gonna get a four it's a little bit better than the covers because she wrote it herself but it is ridiculous and then Christmas Tree Farm like I mentioned I love this song it's a nine yeah I saw you thought I was gonna give it a ten <laughs> <laughs> all right Madeline do you want to go next so far as the covers go, I am, man, I'm with Kim. That's, I want to get, I know you don't like partial points, so I guess I'll round up for Taylor's sake. I'm going to give it a four. She had the foundation and the root of so much talent and so much to come. And covers are an important part of every artist's journey. So I'll give her that. That's the only thing getting her to a four. I don't like covers. Christmases when you were mine. It's sad. Like I mentioned before, it's debut flavored. It's really simple. And I think that it could have been written by a lot of artists that aren't Taylor. But again, she had that that energy of something to come, something more. So I'm going to give her an average of five on Christmases when you were mine. Okay. Christmas must be something more. Her Jesus bop. I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan of it back then. I'm not a fan of it now. I'm going to give it a three. It's very simple. It is not very catchy. It has a dumb chorus. I don't I don't like it. Christmas Tree Farm, on the other hand, I like it a lot. I'm going to be with Kim, and I'm going to give it a nine. I think it is remixable in the best way, and I think it is a bop, and it is added to my modern Christmas playlist, even the ones you that are not heavily. Ass when you hear that song, come on, you're lying. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it's like I was about to say, it's even on my non-Taylor Swift playlist. It's good. I want a Christmas shop to Christmas tree farm. Yeah. All right. Now it's up to me. And I guess I'm going to have to be the Scrooge of the group. <laughs> Bum everybody out. The covers, for me, they range from awful to eh. So I'm going to give it a two, honestly. And I think that's generous. Like, I have no desire to hear any of them again, ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to listen to them unless no, you re-release them. I wouldn't be offended to hear again, but I'm not going to seek them out. Right. I have no desire. Christmas is when you were mine. I'm going to give it a four. I think it's it's fine, mostly. It's just her voice is not yet very good. And it's kind of a, I don't know. It's whatever. It's a fine song. I don't love it. I'm not going to listen to it. Moving forward. Christmas must be something more. I'm going to give it a one. Just absolutely <laughs> dog water. Don't care for it. Um, Not a good song. Nope. It's okay. You know, we were all young once and we wrote terrible poems. Some of us put them to music. Some of us didn't. And then Christmas Tree Farm. I like it. Listening to it today made me evaluate it up a point. So I'm going to give it a seven. I think it's a very solid pop song. I like it. Very good. And you can vote for your ranking of Christmas Tree Farm, specifically, because we can only do one at a time, on Spotify <laughs> and the social media. Yes, indeed. What are we at over there? Oh, we are at CBLU underscore podcast across all platforms. And if you can get to one of our platforms, you can link Tree to the rest of them. Kimberly, what song are we talking about next week in 2024? Question. Dot, 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 question mark. That's right. Question from Midnight's. That will be our first I song. I love that song so much. <laughs> of the new year. Madeline wants to be on that episode, so presumably they will be back. Yeah. Present. <laughs> but for now, thank you all so much for listening to this episode and all throughout the year. It's really meant a lot to us. Thank you for voting in our polls and 
engaging with us on social media. And, uh, you know, we hope to build it even bigger and better next year. But thank y'all for being here on the ground floor. Tell all of your family at all of your Christmas functions or holiday parties to listen to our podcast. Do it. Give them the <laughs> gift of content this year. From cowboys like us. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Y'all come back now, you hear? That's it. <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, until next year, we'll see you. Goodbye. See you next year. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Pod Gremlin may be here. Thanks for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on all platforms at CBLU underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram, X, the zombie Twitter, TikTok, and threads. We're now posting our episodes on YouTube. Head over there and like and subscribe. All of these links can be found in our link tree in the episode description. Thanks for supporting the pod. Y'all come back now, you hear?